Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. He gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Our text for our sermon is the Gospel history according to St. Luke as recorded in chapter 24, verses 13 through 35. To remind you of that account, I will read the first few verses. Now on that same day, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about all these things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing this, Jesus himself approached and began to walk along with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. He said to them, what are you talking about as you walk along? Saddened, they stopped. This is the gospel history of our Lord. Brothers and sisters in Christ, in this text, it seems like God is playing an unfair game with these disciples. He hides himself. Do you hear those words? Their eyes were kept from recognizing him. God himself made it so that they would not recognize him. Now, these were not the, what would originally be the 12, but Judas had betrayed, now there's only 11. These were the wider branch of disciples. Anyone who trusts in Jesus is a disciple, but these men obviously hung around, and, and so they weren't quite as tight a group as the 12 who got to see all the inner workings, but they had a great deal to do, and they, and they hung around with them in these days of the resurrection, and, more, and obviously before that. Jesus hides himself because there's something going on. As Isaiah says, surely you are a God who hides himself. And he doesn't do this to be mean to us, but so that we may seek him and live. And Jesus' hiding of himself, he does reveal himself. If you look at the text, the text doesn't specifically ever say it, but if you just look at the text, you know why he did it. They stopped. They were saddened. But they had to understand that they needed, didn't need to be sad about anything. And in verse 22, when they relate to him what's going on, they said, also some women of our group, our text translates as amazed us. The word picture in the Greek word used is literally knocked us out of our senses. It'd be better to translate this maybe as bewildered us. See, what happened was they got the report and they, whoa, whoa, what do we think about this? And they didn't know what to think about it. So it's knocked out of their senses. And yes, there is amazement in there. And so Jesus hides himself when he comes to them so that he can walk them through the scriptures, which he does, so that he can get them to understand the whole point of the Bible and that he is the center. And today we see that Christ hides himself, coming to you through his word and then coming through you with his word. And so it is, as, as he asked them, what are you talking about when you walked along, sad and they stopped? One of them named Cleopas answered him, are you the only visitor in Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? Now, if we were to paraphrase this in modern English, Cleopas is saying, have you been living under a rock? You have no clue? Now, he doesn't say it that sarcastically. It was that big, brothers and sisters in Christ, You know, when news is very, very big, it beats the presses. It might be front page of the paper news, but everybody already knows it in a town. Well, that's what's happened. And Jesus says, what things? Acting as if he doesn't know, but he doesn't do this to be deceitful. He's actually inviting them and encouraging them to go through those things 
Because he's going to walk them through and spell out to them what it means. They replied, the things concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people. Brothers and sisters in Christ, these are believers. If they had died that day, they would be in heaven. Do you hear the confession there? And there's a difficulty in translating this because the Greek verb used in in where it's placed, they can move their verb around, actually can easily be translated, and a lot of people do, he became a man, specifically a prophet, mighty in deed and word. That, in such a case, it's an even stronger confession because that'll lose effect. If he became a man, they recognize he's God who became a man. What a beautiful confession they give. And they say before God and men, Even the Sanhedrin knew that Jesus did miracles. They had to connect the dots. Therefore, God had sent him, but they wanted him out of the way. Such is the folly of the sinful nature. So we're told the chief priests and the rulers handed him over to be condemned to death and they crucified him. But we were hoping that he was going to redeem Israel. There is another confession, brothers and sisters in Christ. If you were in the Isaiah Bible study this morning... Once again, we heard where God talked about redeeming Israel out of Babylon, but we also saw how that it was a foreshadow, just a slight picture of the much bigger deal of God's redeeming us from sin, death, and the devil. So it seems that they think that he is going to redeem Israel the way like Peter did after Jesus appears again. Peter says, Lord, are you now going to put a whooping on them Romans? They think he's going to free them from the slavery of an oppressing nation over them. So they're confused here. And Jesus gives them an opportunity to confess this going through the things that's going on. Then they add not only that, but besides all this, it is now the third day since these things happened. They knew, like I said, they might not have been the inner circle, but these men had followed Jesus around. They talked with the inner circle. They knew that on more than one occasion, Jesus said, I'm going to Jerusalem to die and be raised again on the third day. It's now the third day. Something has to happen. And they confess. Also, some women of our group bewildered us. They were at the tomb early in the morning. When they did not find his body, they came back saying that they had seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb. They found it just as the woman had said, but they did not see him. Brothers and sisters in Christ, these are believers. But do you hear the confusion? Sin makes us stupid. Sin will confuse our logic receptors when they apply to God. So, they would have known about Jairus, Jesus raising Jairus' daughter a couple hours after she had died. They would have known of Jesus raising the widow at Nyan's son. They often buried him the same day if they died in the morning, if not the next day. So he had been dead for 24 hours. And they would have known that uh, within a month prior to Jesus' death, he rose Lazarus, who had been in the grave for so long that even his own sister said, don't roll that stone away, it's going to stink. So when he said, I'm going to rise again, even though this defies science, because when you die, you stay dead, they'd seen three times or heard of three times when somebody had died and they didn't stay dead because of this man's power. When they had heard that he said, I am going to rise on the third day, which they confess logically, they should have said he's going to rise today. And when they get the message, the women have heard he's risen and they've seen the empty tomb and Peter and John ran ahead of them and saw the empty tomb. They should have said, hallelujah, he's risen. He's risen indeed. But instead they go, I'm bewildered. What does this mean? 
And I don't say this condemning them because you and I are the same way. That is original sin. No matter how clearly God spells it out, unless the Holy Spirit enters our heart and gives us the faith to believe it, our sinful nature will grab a hold of anything, even the most ridiculously absurd explanation, rather than trust in God. And so this is why Jesus hides himself. He comes to them and he's going to straighten this out. And they get what I I just... I I thank the Lord that these men got to experience this and I wish I could and I look forward to when I'm in heaven and get to because they got quite a Bible information class during that seven mile walk to Emmaus. He said to them, how foolish you are and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Christ have to suffer these things and to enter his glory? Then beginning with Moses and the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. Now, throughout this text, Luke only mentions Jesus' name once. He does that so that you kind of get the idea they don't know this is Jesus. He begins by rebuking their unbelief. And he spells out, it's right there in the word, brothers and sisters in Christ. They wanted a different kind of Messiah, so they did what your and my sinful nature does. When God's word tells us something, even if it's good and wonderful, or whether it's the law condemning us, and we don't want to hear that either, it went, La, 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 and heard what it wanted to hear. So he comes with the word. He hides himself and he straightens them out with the word using his word. Now, there's a rebuke there that really applies to us of all time. And when he says how foolish you are, slow to heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. There are a lot of modern day Christian churches, brothers and sisters in Christ, that know better than God. And they don't believe that the Bible is inspired because they know better than God. And so they have decided to pick and choose what portions of Scripture apply. And for them, inspiration is there are certain passages God intends to have an impact on you. And so they will teach because they think science teaches. And it's definitely a folly that's going on in science. Evolution. As a side note, you can use the scientific method to disprove evolution. It's not a scientific fact. But they will modify the Bible to make evolution fit in. They don't believe all the Bible. But do you know what the problem is? Once you start picking and choosing, then you lose it. If, if man evolved, there was no Adam and Eve, there was no fall into sin, and guess what? You don't need a redeemer. And you could have slept in this morning or done yard work if you wanted to. No. Or think about how Christians who have a very high view of the Scripture and love it still refuse to hear all of the teaching. And one of the most utmost examples of that is the Lord's Supper. And in the inspired Greek language, the way Jesus says it, this bread is my body. That means it's bread and body. This wine is my blood. That means it's wine and blood. Yet there are Christians who say that defies logic. That defies science. God wouldn't possibly do a miracle for us. So we'll add the word represents. And they rob themselves of the comfort of receiving, getting to taste, getting to digest the good news of forgiveness. Sadly, it also becomes a work righteous, blasphemous thing in which they stand up and say, look how great I am, Lord. I am a good disciple. I remember you. Brothers and sisters in Christ, this is why we come to church and hear the word. Our sinful nature will forget the forgiveness of sins that was pronounced at the beginning of our worship service just as quickly as it can overpower your new man or get a sucker punch in to do it. And it's very interesting. Oftentimes when we study the Old Testament, it can get pretty dry and boring, can't it? And you can't eat this, you can't eat that, and you got to cut this part off your body. And if you're going to give this sacrifice, which by the way, Christ is an old, what is the point to all this? It's too boring. Why do, why do I need to know this? 
But brothers and sisters in Christ, the Old Testament, the whole point of it, and many Christians get confused, they think, New Old Testament, angry God, New Testament, loving God. No, God is a loving God in the Old Testament. The whole point is Christ. In the Old Testament is how He built up a people and set up the circumstances of Christ's birth. And all the things Christ is talking about, it's prophesied in the Old Testament. He starts with Moses, probably, where Adam and Eve fall into sin, and, he is, and, and they are told, a literal translation, the sperm of the woman, hint, hint, virgin birth, will crush the serpent's head and the serpent will bite his heel and walk through. And and here's a really neat thing, brothers and sisters in Christ. The oldest existing, uh, for example, Isaiah, he spells out a lot of messianic prophecy. we all like uh, we all like sheep have gone astray, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. It's one of those standout passages of the Old Testament in Isaiah fifty three verse six. And, and the oldest existing scroll we have of Isaiah dates back to three hundred B.C. It was found in Qumran. What does that mean for you? What do you care? That's just nerd facts. Because it tells you that 300 years before Christ died, we have proof 300 years earlier God had been telling His people, my son is going to take on human flesh and die for you. So Jesus comes to these men with His word, and then once again He hides Himself again. As they approach the village where they were going, He acted as if He was going to travel further. And He stopped there for a second, brothers and sisters in Christ. Jesus isn't doing this to trick them. He acts like he's going further, like he's moving on to the next village. But here's a wonderful invitation. Now let me give you an example of this. God gives you more than what you need to survive every day. And he does that because he knows with a heart of love you're going to want to return thanks. So he gives you the offerings you give to him. It's an invitation he gives to you to return thanks. So Jesus here, he's setting up the circumstances for them to say, Man, you've been teaching us so much, we want to hear more. So he acts like he's going further to open up the invitation, and they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us since it's almost evening and the day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he reclined at the table with them, they recognized he's a teacher. Normally, the head of the household would break bread, and and it's broken to distribute. It's not the Lord's Supper here that's being distributed. Um, But because they recognize his authority, he probably was invited to do this. And he breaks the bread, blessed it, broke it, and and began giving it to them. And that's when Jesus lifts off that thing that was keeping their eyes from recognizing him. And suddenly their eyes were opened and they recognized him. Then he vanished from their sight. Brothers and sisters in Christ, if you want to know God, you don't have to have visions from God as so many people would foolishly want to see. You don't have to have emotions that whip you up to feel God. He comes to you in the word. He first came to these men hiding himself behind his word. And think about that. I've already mentioned the Lord's Supper. He hides himself behind bread and wine and lets you eat forgiveness. Another way to receive it. He hides himself behind mere tap water. But the word is there. I baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And he enters your heart and seals you in your salvation. And how else does he hide himself? His word is there, but he wants it proclaimed. When somebody comes to you in the priesthood of all believers and points out the law, points out your sin, and points out your Savior has removed your sin, even though it is your brother or sister in Christ, Jesus is using their mouthpiece. That is an awesome privilege you have in being a priest. So he doesn't have to tell these two to go out and tell the good news. They said to each other, were not our hearts burning within us while, they, while he was speaking to us along the road and while he was explaining the scriptures to us? 
Now, Christians get confused too, and they want to sing hymns that will make their hearts burn within them. Their hearts were burning within them because of the Word, and because even though their eyes were seen from recognizing them, their soul that is united to Christ, in a way, showed something was going on. They go, boy, wow, something was going on. So what did they do? They got up that very hour and returned to Jerusalem. They beat feet back to Jerusalem. Jesus didn't have to tell them to go. They now had the word. They had seen the resurrected Christ and they wanted to go and they wanted to tell it. And when they do say, we've seen the risen Lord, they found the 11, those who were assembled together, and they were saying, the 11 were saying, the Lord really has been raised. He's appeared to Simon. So sometime after the appearance to the women, before these men uh, head off for, or, or sometime after these men have head off, headed off for Emmaus, God not only appears to them, God appeared to Peter. Uh, Peter was the nickname Jesus had given Simon. And Simon had shared that news. The women had shared that news. God was working through them, but there was, there was more, the, the, the resurrection validated, but you've got to have the message. And so... They themselves described what had happened along the road and how they recognized him when he broke the bread. So these guys get to be the first ones to sit down and tell others, yes, he's risen, now let's walk through the scriptures and we'll tell you what it means because that's what he did for us. Christ had hid himself to the word, coming to them through his word, and then came through the others, came to the others through the word those Emmaus disciples told. And that is how it works for you as well. As Peter said in our, in our first lesson, in baptism, he sealed that promise in you. He gave you the gift of the Holy Spirit, gave you the forgiveness of sins, united you to Christ. So Christ hides himself coming to you through his word. You get this in meditations, Bible study, sermon, etc. And then when you have the word, you don't hide it under a bush. No, he comes through you with his word. He has made you a priest through whom he works. Amen. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.